0: Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Samuel chapter 20 from the World English Bible. David fled from Naioth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? He said to him, Far from it, you will not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small but that he discloses it to me. Why would my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. David swore moreover and said, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes, and he says, Don't let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as Yahweh lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever your soul desires, I will even do it for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to dine with the king, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field to the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for it is the yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says, It is well, your servant shall have peace. But if he is angry, then know that evil is determined by him. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of Yahweh with you. But if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I should at all know that evil were determined by my father to come on you, then wouldn't I tell you that? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? Jonathan said to David, Come, let's go out into the field. They both went out into the field. Jonathan said to David, By Yahweh the God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about this time tomorrow, or the third day, behold, If there is good toward David, won't I then send to you and disclose it to you? Yahweh do so to Jonathan and more also, should it please my father to do you evil, if I don't disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in peace. May Yahweh be with you, as he has been with my father. You shall not only show me the loving kindness of Yahweh while I still live, that I not die, but you shall also not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when Yahweh has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the surface of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with David's house, saying, Yahweh will require it at the hand of David's enemies. Jonathan caused David to swear again for the love that he had to him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. When you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid yourself when this started, and remain by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows on its side as though I shot at a mark. Behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. If I tell the boy, behold, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then come, for there is peace to you and no danger as Yahweh lives. But if I say this to the boy, behold, the arrows are beyond you, then go your way, for Yahweh has sent you away. Concerning the matter which you and I have spoken of, behold, Yahweh is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field. When the new moon had come, the king sat himself down to eat food. The king sat on his seat as at other times, even on the seat by the wall, and Jonathan stood up, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul didn't say anything that day, for he thought, Something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. On the next day after the new moon, the second day, David's place was empty. Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why doesn't the son of Jesse come to eat, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city. My brother has commanded me to be there. Now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me go away and see my brother's. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger burned against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, don't I know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you will not be established, nor will your kingdom. Therefore, now send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Saul cast his spear at him to strike him. By this Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little boy with him. He said to his boy, Run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the boy and said, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Jonathan cried after the boy, Go fast, hurry, don't delay. Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master, but the boy didn't know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, Go, carry them to the city. As soon as the boy was gone, David arose out of the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. They kissed one another and wept one with another, and David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have both sworn in Yahweh's name, saying, Yahweh is between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. He arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. That is the end of chapter 20. Let's talk first about the new moon that keeps getting mentioned. The new moon was a time of particular sacrifice. Look up Numbers chapter 29, verse 6, and also Psalm chapter 81, verse 3. The new moon is also mentioned in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23, and Ezekiel 46. Let me read that for you. In Isaiah, it says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. That's the King James Version. And in Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. Then in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, we have where Paul tells the The Colossians, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holiday or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So that's the new moon that was being talked about in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It's not just that they were watching the phases of the moon. And that's why Saul says what he does about possibly David is unclean and that's why he doesn't come. The description unclean is used throughout the Bible to talk about to describe sin and the curse and wickedness, but there were also specific actions or conditions under the law that were representative of sin and the curse, and a person usually had to both wash and offer specific sacrifices to be declared clean and able to further participate in the other important sacrifices or go into the temple. But this wasn't just from the law. This idea of being unclean was a concept before the law, as you will recall in Genesis 7, where Noah is told about what kinds of animals are going to be on the ark with him. Specifically in the law, the idea of being unclean is mentioned quite a lot in Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you can just do a word search in any printed or online concordance and you will see that. Knowing all of this helps to understand Isaiah's cry in Isaiah 6, verse 5, that he makes about having unclean lips. He recognizes that something needs to be done about the sin in his life in order for him to be in the presence of God without being destroyed. In Matthew chapter ten, verse one; in Mark chapter one, verse twenty-seven; and in Acts chapter five, sixteen, are all examples where the description "unclean" is used to describe demonic spirits. So it's important to understand the difference between the ritualistic representation of sin in unclean things on the earth, such as food or fabric or uh, secretions or mold, anything uh, like that. That we no longer need to be concerned about because Jesus fulfills the law on the cross, but sin and wickedness and demonic things are still unclean. And um, you can look at Ephesians five five and Revelations sixteen thirteen. Getting back to the story in the chapter. Jonathan is obviously having a hard time believing his father's treachery, but he knows David's character enough that he says, well, I'm going to go find out for sure if you understand this correctly, and he's going to help David if if it is a threat. David never actually specifies if he goes to Bethlehem, all the, though the implication in verse 19 is that he may very well have, and that he came back from that after three days. In verse 30, it's rather horrifying the things that Saul says about Jonathan, his own son. He's basically swearing at him and calling him very vile things. And it seems apparent from Jonathan and David's oath that Jonathan did understand the implications of helping David. Then there's that bone-chilling moment when Saul tries to spear Jonathan, his own heir to the kingdom, and the reaction of Jonathan having fierce anger. The whole arrow-shooting episode is curious I wonder if maybe Jonathan did expect David to just leave right away, and they wouldn't get to talk anymore, but then he thought he would take a chance for another farewell, and and David hadn't left, and so they had that time of consoling each other and, and weeping and grieving. And so begins David's years as a fugitive, even though he was Yahweh's anointed king. Saul is a lot like Cain, it seems, and David like Abel, although he doesn't end up the same way. Saul is angry because he's not accepted by God, because he has chosen in his own pride not to follow God. He wants God to accept him in his sin. And while God does provide a marvelous way of forgiveness, people who won't repent and accept God's ways cannot be forgiven. So instead of changing his own ways, Saul tries to kill David and tries to blame somebody else for his hardship, for his state of misery. So Saul represents sin and the curse, and until Saul dies, David's blessing cannot be fulfilled. This seems similar to us living in this present world, waiting for the promise of Christ's return and our our new bodies. But this will not be fulfilled until the wicked, prideful Satan, the king of this world, is dealt with once and for all. Thanks for listening. See you next time. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.